This is episode 53 of the 99 Forever podcast. I'm Eric Friesen, and joining me on the show tonight are the co-hosts of the Oil on Ice podcast, Gabriel Cangido and Diego Pontis. Welcome back to the show, guys. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be here with you, Eric. Uh, it's always a pleasure, of course, to be with you, Diego, with his, my, my partner in Brazil to talk about the Oilers. And... Um, and you know it's my it's my third time here as I, as I was saying and Diego knows how hard it is to to find someone to talk about the ice hockey in here especially about the Oilers so it's always a pleasure to be here yeah it's like Gabriel said it's always a pleasure so hello guys I'm really glad to be back again to talk about Oilers with you so it's gonna be a very interesting episode today Definitely. I mean, I love talking hockey with you guys as well. And it's the first time you've been back on the podcast since we did the season predictions episode last October. I can't remember all the predictions we made, except for the one that will always stand out (laughs) is when Diego predicted 192 points for Connor McDavid. I'm still hoping that will come true uh, in the next couple of years, but uh, we'll have to go back and look at uh, how, uh, how we did on those predictions one of these days. Um, And tonight we're going to discuss the Oilers offseason signings so far. But first, I just want to ask you both about the Oilers run to the Western Conference final this past spring. I believe you both became Oilers fans after they made it to the 2006 Stanley Cup final. So what was it like to experience your first long playoff run as an Oilers fan? And what was your favorite moment of the 2022 playoffs? Uh, Gabriel, why don't you start us off? It was such an amazing feeling. It was way better than I could imagine. And you know, I, I, I didn't follow the the Oilers in the 2006 run, and fortunately or unfortunately, I think. And the two the two past playoffs with the Blackhawks and the Jets, it was really really painful. So it was really good to finally see how the Oilers can be how the Oilers can be the Oilers that we already know in the in the playoffs so it was such an amazing feeling we're looking forward to experience that again and again and again <laughs> and what yeah. was your favorite moment um, from from that run oh, um well everyone we will answer the the mcdavid overtime goal against the Calgary flames that closes out the series in game five and it can't be another one. I just remember it was late in the night here. I just uh, it was so great to see the goal from Conor McDavid finishing the Calgary Flames after that game one. But I have to say that apart from that, uh, I really enjoyed the game seven in the best way possible against the LA Kings because in the whole game I was in the maximum possible way uh, calm because the Oilers played so well. And of course, the the other game is uh, against the Calgary. After that first one, that was really a complicated one. Towards each each one had a had a had a special moment for me. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, that 
that win over the Flames in the Saddle Dome is one that Oilers fans are going to remember forever, especially the McDavid goal at the end to seal the deal. And, and like you said, that game against the Kings, Game 7 at Rogers Place, I think that was maybe my most tense moment of the entire playoff run because <laughs> it was the first chance to get over the hump and win a playoff series for the first time in five years. Uh, Diego, how about yourself? What was the overall experience like and what was your favorite moment from the 2022 playoffs? Oh, Eric, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It's like Gabriel said, that goal was remarkable. It really felt different for all Oilers fans, you know, when we had the chance to close out this series against the Flames. It was an amazing experience, but I really enjoyed this run and it was was not expected actually it wasn't expected because i didn't expect the oilers to go this far actually they had a great team they have actually a great team but to be fair with you guys i wasn't expecting us to reach the western conference finals it was it was a good surprise and i really enjoyed the run but i gotta say you know i got really nervous i was very anxious i couldn't even watch the overtime uh, <laughs> on game five against the flames because it was nail biting you know i couldn't i couldn't get quiet so i was just checking the messages on whatsapp here that there is an oilers group and then i said okay i'm just gonna open when the game is over and for my good surprise i saw some people making comments like it's over you know <laughs> it's over so connor mcdavid did the impossible the overtime goal it was really cool so i could relax at that moment you know and i knew that the uh, against the apps there would be you know lots of efforts to win against them because they're such a powerhouse and I, w I was really i was really calm about that because i wasn't expecting them to to win but if they did that would be amazing you know i'm always cheering for the oilers but i have to be realistic you know i i i, I don't know and um, if we could win against the Avs, especially having Leon Dreisaitl uh, playing at one leg, Nurse was injured as well, and lots of other things happened. Even to JP, he, he got sick and he couldn't, he couldn't play at his best, you know? But I really enjoyed the run, and the most remarkable moment, it was the Game 7, uh, when Cody Cece scored the first goal. Uh, I got just a lot of confidence because I was I was not calm about that series you know I knew that the Oilers were nervous and they could lose the series against the Kings and that would be such a shame for all of us you know but when Cody Cece scored that first goal I really I really enjoyed that moment you know and for me it's one of the most remarkable moments besides the overtime goal from Connor McDavid for sure. Yeah, I mean, that goal by CC, probably one of the biggest goals of his career. I'd have to go back and and look at his time with uh, the Senators and other teams that, that he played for, but uh, I mean, a, a series clinching goal. I I can't think that he scored a bigger one in the NHL That's and right. yeah. just that it, it seemed like once they got that goal, I believe it was in the second period. I was still tense, but 
you started to feel a little better about their chances that they scored first. I didn't want them to fall behind in that game. And ultimately, the Oilers were able to close it out with McDavid getting also the the final goal of that series. It it was just the insurance marker, but still to uh, eventually knock off the Kings. And uh, yeah, just overall, I think that that's a a playoff run that uh, we won't forget anytime soon. Um, So... I just have to say, like, that that was probably the, the most, well, I shouldn't say probably, definitely the most exciting five weeks of Oilers hockey that we've seen in the last 16 years. And hopefully yeah, it's sure. just, you hope it's just the first of many deep playoff runs for the Oilers core group. Absolutely. No, yeah, for sure. Uh, I have to say that you 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 said about the Cody Cici goal. Uh, I have to say the Evan Bouchard goal in the game two versus the the Flames. It was a really tense game after that ninety to six loss in Calgary. If the the others fall behind two two new at the in the series, I I didn't know if he, they could come back. And he tied the game in the third period, and then uh, Hyman scored the shorthanded goal, and then the others won the game two and. Just that was such a confidence-building game for anymore. them. Yeah, for sure. If the if Bouchard didn't score that goal or Hyman didn't score this one, I, I don't know how the series could end up. But well, yes, well, it was I a mean, good moment as well. When you think about it, they they lost that one game, like you mentioned, 9-6, to six, and then they're down 3-1 in game two. Yeah. And, and I'm just thinking, if they go back to Edmonton down by two, it's going to be a really tough hill to climb to get back yeah. in this series. Yeah. So you could argue that that win at the Saddle Dome to even the series going back to Edmonton was as important as any other game in that series. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, and I've got to say that um, their offense, you know, the Oilers' offense was amazing. You know, they were clicking. Uh, we lost the first game, actually, but it was because of our defense and we didn't have a proper goal attending. But can you imagine? We scored six goals on the first game. It's a lot, you know, and, and after that game, it, it seemed like the Oilers offense got even better, you know, during this series. With all due respect to Jacob Markstrom, Markstrom actually, which is a good goalie, but I think it's more it's more about merit on the Oilers' side because their offense was great than saying that Markstrom was was playing bad. No, I I think it's a combination of the two. Agree. Like the Oilers, the Oilers seem to have his number, but it, he wasn't at his best. But I, I will say the Oilers' offense was just so overpowering in that series, and for them to have that sort of breakout against their biggest rival, I mean, they couldn't have picked a better team to to do it against. Ah, that's true. No, yeah, it no. was a remarkable moment. That series, I mean. Go ahead, Gabriel. I'm sorry. No, no problem at all. Uh, just want to say that you talk about Mark Markstrom. He he had in the game four, I think, against the the Flames. That in the first minute of the game in Edmonton, you discarded on on a, on his. Yeah, he, he he just kind of flubbed it behind the net where he was trying to pass it out, and it, it was great to get off to that start. And um, of course, Nuge finished it with an even bigger goal. Yeah, to, uh, <laughs> that, which is probably not probably the biggest goal of his NHL career as well. For sure. 
Yeah, and then, then the, the team was, uh, I don't know, 3 nothing at the, the, the first period. Yeah, they, they left that 3 nothing lead evaporate. Evaporate in the most um, uh, amazingly, weirdly way possible with that goal that Smith got. But, yeah, we uh, try to forget about that one. Yeah, for uh, sure. <laughs> but everything ended uh, end up all right in the end. The new discard again. Indeed. And you have to feel so good for Nuge, too, because you think about how many losing seasons he's been through. Yeah. For him to be the one to score that goal, it just it was like the perfect ending to that game for, for him to have that moment. I, I think he's already such a, a fan favorite in oil country, yeah. but that, that was something that he deserved after everything he's been through. Absolutely. And I, I must add up, Eric and Gabriel, that I don't know, guys, if you notice it, but when the Oilers uh, clinched the series against the Flames and they went to the Western Conference Finals, you could see on his face how emotional he was. Yeah. You know? So you could feel like all the pain that he had been through his whole career in, in Edmonton so far, you could see that disappear, you know, in a blink of an eye because his eyes were very emotional-like, saying, I made it, you know, so I made it this far with yeah. this group. And it's amazing. It feels amazing for us who really love Nuge, and we hope to see him winning here in, in Edmonton. And that day was really was really cool so it, it brought tears to my eyes as well <laughs> I'm, because, I'm pretty sure you weren't the only one in oil yeah, country to say that diego <laughs> absolutely but it was such a special moment and i'm so glad for nuja i hope he has a great season this year as well and we go even further you know that's what we expect actually yes. <laughs> yeah for sure 100%. I mean, it's it's a playoff run we we won't forget and and hope like I said, hopefully there's going to be a lot more springs like that in the the next decade. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh before we recap the Oilers off season, I'd like to take some time now to remember Ben Stelter who sadly passed away on August 9th after a courageous battle with brain cancer at the age of 6. Um you know, I was just heartbroken when I saw the tweet from Ben's dad, Mike, that he had passed away. So I just want to extend my condolences to the entire Stelter family. Ben's story touched everyone in oil country and the entire hockey world. He was he was such a special little guy, and his name will forever be attached to that playoff run. So I just want to ask you both, what will you remember most about Ben? Uh, Diego, you can go first. Uh, ben Stelter was really a, 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 such an angel, you know, I should say. He, mm -hmm. he was a warrior, and he, he fought the good fight, actually. You know, his family did what, what they could to make him live the best days of his life before he, he leaves us. And... It, it, it got me really heartbroken. I got really sad. I even cried here when I I heard of his passing. And it was really, you know, really sad. It was a sad day, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, like the when we heard of Joey Moss, you know, I think his legacy, uh, maybe I, I'm... This is an overstatement, maybe, you know, but his legacy will be 
as strong as Joy, Joy Moss, I think, for Oil Country. Maybe I'm I'm exaggerating a little, but I, I really think he changed, you know, uh, the city. He changed the Oilers players. And my greatest memory about him, it's when he was saying after every win, he was recording a video saying, play La Bamba, baby, you know? <laughs> like, how, how can you not love that video? You know, how can you not love his pureness, his yeah. kind heart, you know, appreciating a team that he loved while he was here? Um, I just have great memories about uh, him and his family. I, I send my deepest condolences to them, uh, and I hope they... They have better days ahead of them because they really deserve. They were a very supportive family, according to the tweets we we have seen on Twitter and his their posts. So that that is my greatest memory. But he it was very important to Oil Country, and I truly hope Eric Gabriel that maybe someday the Oilers consider you know raising a, a statue or maybe maybe making some honor, you know, to him because he left a huge legacy in Edmonton. And I would love to see that the Oilers paying some tribute to to him, you know, because I think he he was really remarkable to yeah. to this season and to the team as a whole. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think when when we remember the that playoff run, years and years from here, we will always remember about Ben Stelter. We will, for sure, will never forget uh, his his presence in the Rogers place or in the social media and supporting the Oilers like a really really huge fan. I really think he he will be remembered as well as Joey Moses and. And it was so so joyful to see him like enjoying the the moment with the players and all the organization being with him and promoting him and the whole city stopped. Uh, people from here talked with me that they know they have the the artist Brazil profile. They didn't know anything about hockey, but they talked to me about the that little baby that appears that says "Play La Bamba, baby." So yeah. even if you don't watch hockey, you can't be be amazed, be contagious. By, by the Ben Stelter's happiness and the way of living. Uh, I really think that the, the family can find the strength to to keep going and remember the, the good moments and always always know that he, he enjoyed the most of all when, when he was with us. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't say it better. Um, you know, Ben loved the Oilers. And he was such an important part of that playoff run for the players, the fans, the city. And I'll never forget the night when Ben skated out onto the ice in full uniform and stood next yeah. to his hero, Connor McDavid, yeah. on the blue line for the national anthem. And even though his time here on earth was short, I'm so happy that he had the chance to live out a bunch of his dreams in the final months of his life. Um, I already, you know, mentioned standing next to McDavid before a game, but he he also got to come to an Oilers practice and score a goal on Miko Koskinen. He took a team picture in the locker room with yeah. all the players. 
Uh, Upper Deck presented him with his very own hockey card. Uh, Connor and Leon both came to visit Ben at his house. He had the chance to go to California for an Oilers road playoff game and against the Kings and see the Stanley Cup and go to Disneyland with his family and yeah. I'm sure I'm sure a bunch more things that uh, that we didn't even see or that we don't know about. But uh, despite everything he was going through, Ben was always smiling whenever they showed him on TV at Rogers Place, and you know that that giggle is like. You know, I think everyone will always remember that he he was just such a such a happy kid, despite you know going through something as as terrible as cancer. And um, you know, he he'll be missed at Rogers Place. Uh, the Oilers actually went on a ten game home winning streak at one point with Ben in attendance. So yeah, you know, he he just he seemed to inspire everyone and get the the fans into it as much as the players. He, he really was the Oilers number one fan, their good luck charm and inspiration last season. So, um, I just want to say rest in peace, Ben, you won't be forgotten. And, uh, once an oiler, always an oiler. Always an oiler. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. He really, he really make it worth the, the time here. And he started talking to us, uh, good moment after a good moment there was like a lot i i couldn't i can't forget the the interview he did beside zach hyman and it was yeah. so, so great to see he he just asked what's so favorite player and he asked and he's answered at spot it was conor mcdavid and hyman just laughed and he couldn't compete about mcdavid <laughs> it was such a amazing moments after amazing moments he and, and see that's he, what i'm saying he did all these things so so yeah. many cool things that i we can't even you know remember all them off the top of our head but when you start to talk about them you it just comes back to you so i'm i'm glad that he had the chance to do all of that and um you know the, his family is i'm I, I can only imagine still devastated to to have lost him but i'm thankful that they'll always have these pictures and videos that they can look back on years from now and um just remember all the experiences he got to have uh, in 2022 yeah, and props to our captain who wore uh, uh, an Oilers uni- uniform at his funeral, yes. you know, with yeah. the letter B on the chest. That was such a symbolic but important moment to show how much Connor loved him, you know, uh, loved that kid. So this should also uh, be one example to all of us, and I think Connor represented every single Oilers fan, you know, who loved the Oilers and also loved Ben Stelter. That was such a symbolic moment. I would like to mention that, you know. Yeah. I, I think it showed a lot of character for Connor and, and the bond that he formed with Ben that, you know, Connor flew in for that because he wasn't in Edmonton at the time. He he spends his summers back in Toronto. So yeah. to, he flew in for that event for Ben's celebration of life at Rogers Place and, um, uh, I'm sure the family really appreciated that too. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So rest in peace, Ben. Wherever you are, you will never be forgotten. You know? Yeah, Even you from be, Brazil. Yeah, you can you can be sure all over the world, the, not just all the hockey fans will will never forget you, your time here. Yeah. 
All right. Um, let's go back to July 12th now and discuss the Oilers' first big move of the offseason. So just hours before he was set to hit free agency, Evander Kane broke the news on Twitter that he had signed a four-year extension with the Oilers worth $20.5 million, including a limited no-movement clause. Were you guys surprised that the Oilers were able to keep Kane? And what did you think of the, the deal overall? Uh, Diego, why don't you start us off? Okay, so I loved the deal and I loved that Evander Kane broke the news. You know? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Normally we expect that from the biggest insiders like Kevin Weeks, Elliot Friedman and others. But when he broke his own... Uh, his own news, like saying that he was he got an extension with us, I got really surprised, and I got really amazed by the price that the Oilers signed him. I think it was a fair deal, a really good one. And props to Ken Holland and Brad Holland. Maybe he had some word on it. We know we don't know, but I really loved the deal, and I think he's a huge addition to this Oilers team because he was an excellent uh, player during the playoffs, you know, and he also helped us to to take uh, Nazim Kadri for a few games, so I will always be thankful for Evander Kane for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a joke, of course, but I really loved the deal, and I think he's going to be very useful. I disagree with some Oilers fans when they say that maybe he's going to regress in two, three years, that, that, that's a maybe, but once you know how to play with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, I think the chances of having a high production every single season are very likely to happen. So I'm, I'm very glad. I think he's a huge addition for this team, you know, and to have him for that price, I think it's, it, it was about four or five million. Four, yeah, four five point one two five million. So okay, just just a shade me. over five point one. Yeah, for me it's a fair deal. You know, he was he was being rumored to get about seven million. You know, uh, in the market, but it didn't happen. Or maybe it was his choice. Or maybe he couldn't find a better deal, so he stayed with us. But I, I would rather believe that he. He decided to stick around and win a championship here because the chances are very likely, you know, better than other teams, I should say. No, no disrespect to other teams, and I don't want to be biased, but I truly think that the Oilers are in a position to win now, and he, he, he saw that, and it was one of the, the reasons why he decided to extend with the Oilers. And Gabriel, how about you? Uh, any concerns signing a 31-year-old power forward for four years? No, uh, when when he broke the news by by himself, I, I really had to double-check. It was because the the time and the price, it was 5.125 million. It was really less than we expected. But talking about his own nice performance, um, only he when the Edmonton Oilers signed him, it was kind of the his last chance in the NHL. He was uh, almost out of the out of the league. It was uh, with all the problems that he faced in the San Jose Sharks and in all all the league. But he really he really capitalized a lot in the in the chance that the Oilers gave, and I think he 
he he has a uh, he has a uh, he can be really, really helpful to the team in the in the next seasons. I think in the next four years, I don't know if he if he will he will stop uh, playing as well as he is. It's hard to not play well with Conor McDavid beside you, but his playoff run was such an, an amazing one with uh, 13 goals in 15 games. He was really really amazing to watch in the first line and really really expect him to to keep going like that keep playing great keeping behaving on ice and off ice and the the best way possible and to see him with the Oilers scoring a lot of goals and having a lot of good playoff runs as well for sure in my opinion bringing back Kane was a significant signing for the Oilers I mean he was the third leading scorer on the team in the second half of the season behind only McDavid and Dreisaitl he had 22 goals and 39 points in 43 games while producing almost entirely at even strength and like you said, uh, Gabriel, he had an, an even more impressive 13 goals and 17 points in 15 playoff games, mm-hmm. also becoming the first Oiler to lead the league in playoff goals since Fernando Pisani in 2006. And it looked like Kane might have priced himself out of Edmonton following his outstanding playoff performance, but... I guess he just ultimately decided that he wanted to stay in Edmonton and play on a line with the best player in in the world. And uh, sort of like you said as well, Diego, give give him his best chance to win a Stanley Cup. And I think getting him signed to a $5.1 million cap hit will prove to be a value contract for the Oilers, especially when you look at what some other free agents were making this summer. Uh, you know, how often does a player coming off a 42 goal pace sign for just over five million that you're looking at a seven, eight million dollar player uh, typically in that situation? So I think Ken Holland deserves some credit for letting Kane test the market and uh, then signing him to a team friendly deal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ken Holland likes to. Uh, to preach patience, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes we get kind of, uh, kind of upset with these sort of statements because uh, we we want actions to happen. We want something to happen, and we we're not used. It. I can speak for myself. We're I'm not used to wait, you know, to preach this patience. And props to him. He, he got a fair price for Evander Kane when he could have asked for more so i i have to 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 recognize that ken holland did a great job on this one right oh yeah like uh, i always i always criticize ken holland when i can like in, uh, in the twitter and those things that i can but i have to compliment when he deserved it and not to only with under kane his off-season job this this year it was really really great really props to them props to ken holland and all the other organization i really think they they made all the the best possible the best possible signing so far and ken holland really did a great job with evander kane mostly with the letting him test the market and eventually coming back with a great great deal for the Oilers. Definitely. So I want to ask you both, how many goals do you think Kane will score this coming season? Gabriel, what do you think? Let me think. Um, I have heard it, and he had in the last season, he had 22 goals. 
in 43 games, I think. With and he was on pace for 42 in 82 40, games. 42. I don't know. I don't know if he keep going, if he keep playing with dry side and uh, with Connor McDavid in the first line, and even with dry side sometimes. Why not? And I don't know. He. I, I want to be optimistic and say something like 50, but I don't know. Between 40 and 50. 50 more, would more be unbelievable. 40. Yeah, 50 would be unbelievable. That's why I said. But let me think. I would. I can say. I don't know. To be optimistic, he will be 40. 40 what? Well, I'll, I'll just say this: the only team in NHL history to have three 50-goal scorers on the same team was the Oilers. They did it twice in the 80s, in 1983-84 and in 1985-86 with Wayne Gretzky, Yari Curry, and Glenn Anderson. Uh, I think that Dreisaitl and McDavid are both going to score 50 goals this year, which would make them the first teammates since the late 90s to do it when Mario Lemieux and Yarmer Yager both scored 50 goals in a season. But if Evander Kane also did, and we're talking about scoring, ha- having three 50-goal scorers on the team again 30-plus years later, that would just be incredible. No, yeah, he's not uh, in the, in the same uh, as Conor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but but I really I really think that he can he can have an excellent season. Uh, it's hard, I know it's hard, it's very very hard. But I, I want to believe. I want to if I can dream before the season starts. I, I want to give my my one of my best shots. Uh, so I'm going to call it now, Eric and Gabriel. So it's going to be 51 goals, too, for the game. <laughs> 51 goals. All you right. can bet on that. Because <laughs> he, he's going to play with the two best centers in the world. You know, No disrespect to Austin Matthews, which is a great player, an excellent player, actually. But Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, they're on a mission. They're, they're going to be really motivated to win the Stanley Cup. They got so close, you know, they could experience such a play, a long playoff run, and they're going to be there in their best, you know, to to try to bring this Stanley Cup back to Edmonton. So I'm going to say that they're going to be chased a lot, you know, and this is going to result in open spaces to other players score like Evander Kane and even Zach Hyman. So I'm predicting a better scoring season to Zach Hyman, about 35 goals. But I truly believe that Evander Kane, this is a bold prediction, will score over 50. It's going to be 51 goals. This is my prediction. (laughs) And mostly because he's going to have a lot of power play time and he's such a huge front net presence. So I, I truly believe that he's going to have more time than Pugliarvi on power play. And for this reason, he's going to score plenty of goals. So 51 is doable. It's not a reach. So I truly believe on that. 51 goals. Yeah, well, and, and uh, sorry, you can go. No, no, go ahead, Gabriel. No, I was just, just going to say that now we have Evander Kane from the beginning of the season. Now that he you knows the city, he's... I think he is pretty good with the the other Oilers, Oilers players, and we have Jay Woodcraft with him from the beginning. That we already know he can prepare 
really great in the off season, and I really think he can be better with more uh, stable team, with more stable coach and stable situation after that really great playoff run. And, and you know, I'm an optimist, so I really hope that you're right, Diego, on that. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go a little more conservatively. I think that he'll score 40 goals, which would still be a career high for him. Uh, you know, Kane can score off the rush, he can snipe from the top of the circles, and he can bury a rebound in the crease. So he can score in a variety of ways. And uh, I do think playing with McDavid at the height of his powers will definitely give him the chance to score 40-plus goals. I expect McDavid is going to get close to 100 assists this season as well. So if Kane is one of his main line mates, he's likely to be the recipient on a lot of those passes. And aside from his goal-scoring ability, Kane also brings an intimidation factor. You know, he yeah. never hesitates to lay out an opponent with a hard hit or drop the gloves if he's provoked. So bringing him back uh, was extremely important for the Oilers, I would say. Yeah, for sure. And uh, playing with Conor McDavid, the, he's the best player in the world. And he's as target as Conor McDavid is on ice. It's good to have an Evander Kane with his back in, on ice. Definitely. And just hours after signing Kane, the Oilers inked UFA goalie Jack Campbell to a five-year contract worth $25 million. And ESPN's Kevin Weeks broke the news the night before uh, the free agent period started that Campbell would be coming to Edmonton. Uh, Was Campbell the goalie you were hoping the Oilers would sign this summer? And do you have any concerns about his limited experience as a starting goalie in the NHL? Diego, why don't you go first? All right. So Jack Campbell was a a good signing. So I I don't know much about him because I didn't follow his season with Toronto. But I, I, I could say that I feel much better than regarding last season, our goal tending. You know, with Mikko Koskinen and Mike Smith, which I should say they they had some great games, but they weren't uh, solid, you know, most of the time in goals. So having a a younger goalie and someone who who played with a strong team like the Leafs um, and the Leafs didn't want you. Why? why wouldn't he work with Edmonton because we have some former Leafs players who are having much better seasons with us, you know, instead <laughs> of the Leafs. So I, I, I should say that I feel I feel really happy about the signing. I think he has a lot of things to prove, but it, he wasn't my first option. I wasn't I was expecting for some other goalies. No, like Mark Andre Fleury, maybe, but I, I wasn't wasn't expecting him to come to Canada, but he would be a great addition, you know, or or maybe Darcy Quimper could be a good goalie for us as well, but I think Jack Campbell has a lot of things to prove, you know, he proved he. He had great games. He could steal a few games with the Leafs. So he was in a conversation for the Vezina in the beginning of the season. Why couldn't he replicate that? You know, that, that's my question. So I, I'm hopeful about our goal attending. We should add 
Stuart Skinner as well, he, he might become a great goalie, not only a backup goalie, but maybe a starter. We never know. We can only hope for it now. But I'm 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 happy about Jack Jack Campbell, and I I truly hope he has a great season ahead of him. So he seems to be a very good guy, and he's going to get along well with this core, this group that the Oilers have. So I'm glad about the signing. For sure. And Gabriel, was Campbell who you wanted the Oilers to sign? Well, I think he was the the best possible the best possible option that the Oilers had at the moment, and I'm, I'm really happy that Campbell uh, is coming to Edmonton. Uh, it's good to have a a first goalie, like a clear name from from the Oilers. I don't know, we don't have that since Ken Talbot. I think our first goalie that we know. He, it is the first one, just when they begin with uh, Mike Smith and Mikko Koskinen, one play like some games and they, they change it. But uh, Jack Campbell, he has some great numbers. I think he had in the he had in the last season 31 wins, I think in 36 games played. And he had uh, some injuries as well, but I think he could recover and he could uh, keep performing in the in the same way as, as he used to in, the, in a high level. And I'm really happy to Jack Campbell. I think he can he can be as good as Zach Hyman, for example, who is a, a former Maple Leaf who come who come here and started to making the the best numbers of his career. Even Tyson Berry, when he came from from the Maple Leafs, he, he played so so great. He had the, the, his best his best numbers in a in a long way here in Edmonton. But and I think he has some 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 old old people that he already know. And of course, playing with the Oilers, a team that can go even further of the Western Conference Final we did last year, it's it's such an amazing opportunity. And we always have uh, Stuart Skinner as a backup goal who can evolve, as Diego said, from from uh, a really first option of goalie. And as I said before, with Jay Woodcroft, he, which is really, really good about evolving players and make the play even better that they, they already know, I think the Jack Kappa is a, is a good signing from the Oilers. Another good signing for, for Ken Holland in, the, in this offseason. Definitely. And, you know, Campbell might not be an obvious Vesna-caliber goaltender, but he's proven that he can be a solid number one guy and have stretches of elite play. Uh, since 2018-19, Campbell has a 2.51 goals against average and a 9.16 save percentage, which rank 10th and 11th in the league, respectively, mm-hmm. among goalies with at least 50 games played over that time. And that's the type of consistent goaltending the Oilers need from him. Because when they had Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen in between the pipes, they could either deliver a spectacular performance or a dismal one on any given night. So... Maybe Campbell won't make as many incredible diving saves as we've seen from Smith, um, but he probably will be a more reliable goaltender overall. And he's also a full decade younger than Mike Smith, and he doesn't have as many hard miles on the body after spending most of his career as a backup goalie. And while some Oilers fans might be concerned that Campbell has only played in 135 career NHL games at age 30, let's keep in mind that he has more experience than Cam Talbot did when the Oilers traded for him back in 2015. And also, Campbell won't be expected to play 60-plus games this season. The Oilers have been developing Stuart Skinner for the past five years, 
This is a guy they traded up to draft, have watched him develop through the system and make his way up to the, the NHL. And given what Skinner showed last season, Campbell doesn't need to take on a massive workload. Ideally, I think the Oilers are looking for Campbell to play somewhere around 50 games and Skinner to handle the other 30 to 32 starts. But overall, I would say this goalie tandem is a clear upgrade from what they had last season. Yes, it is. Absolutely. I feel very confident about our goal attending this, uh, this season. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people and I, I truly expect great games from Campbell. You know, he's excited to join a new club. He, he sees the potential this Oilers roster has. So I'm, I'm very confident and I think Stuart Skinner will have a better chance to play. So He's going to take this challenge in and do his best. So and you know, I'm very I, confident. For sure. And I've also heard Jack Campbell talk about how um, Jonathan Quick was a mentor for him when he was with the Kings. Oh, and my gosh. Let's, let's hope that some of that has rubbed off on um, Campbell. And he can also pass that knowledge down to Stuart Skinner, who those two will be working together for the next hopefully five years and maybe longer. So there's a, there's a potential for, you know, this, this kind of mentorship to, to go on similar to what we maybe saw from uh, Duncan Keith and Evan Bouchard last year with a, an older player mentoring a younger player and, you know, helping him find his way in the league. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. And, uh, and Jack Capels knows that the, in the, in the others, he will he will receive an opportunity that in the Leafs he might never he might never get it. The, the multi Oilers really make a make a really good bet on him or putting him on the on the first option as a goalie, mentoring uh, Stuart Skinner. Uh, he can even involve and with a, a great, really great team. And it's really, really uh, re reliability. Reliability is the the right road that we really change it from Smith and and Kostnet could have an excellent, memorable night or a really, really bad one. I think this then this year we are really, really better than last year in the goalie position. Definitely. All right. So shortly after the Oilers solidified their goaltending, Holland re-signed Brett Kulak to a four-year deal worth $11 million. And with Duncan Keith retiring in July, they would have had a difficult hole to fill if Kulak didn't return. So how confident are you in Kulak as the Oilers' second-pairing left-shot defenseman this season? Gabriel, go ahead. No, the Brett Kulak one was was the signing that I was really expecting the Oilers could get. And shout out to Ken Holland again. He really made it work. It was from four years, I think, 2.75 million. It, it was a Correct. good a good value. And he had his his best year in numbers as well, with the, the beginning in Montreal and, and in Edmonton. And really with without Keith uh, and if Brett Kulak uh, left the team we would have a really really uh, hole to fill in the in the second line in the second defensive line to play alongside Bouchard or even in the first who knows and no him it's hard to if like I don't know if if Darnell Nurse had any problem like he had in the in this past season but but it's good Brett Kulak 
it will be like a, such an important part of the team. He will be such a such a good player to play in the defense and the really really complicated defense that the Oilers had in the last year. And it's really good. It's really good to see Brett Kulak coming back to Edmonton. And we found a long a long term deal with four years right now. And Diego, how do you feel about Kulak? For me, it's the best signing of the off season. Yeah. I've got to say, you know, for the price that he signed with the Oilers and the potential he has to play, like Gabriel said, on top four, he could be a very reliable defenseman, you know, on top four. And I think he's totally capable of uh, taking this position. So for me, there's no need to acquire another top four defenseman like some people I uh, say that it's, it's needed. Actually, I truly think Broberg will have a huge step in his development this year. You know, and Brad Kulak, I'm sorry, it's very reliable on top four. So I'm very excited for that, especially for the price that he, he signed with us. So he proved last year he could be very reliable. He improved uh, Tyson Berry's numbers, you know, on defense. Tyson Berry played better, you know, because of him. And this is the kind of the defenseman the Oilers need. A shutdown defenseman and someone who could uh, pass or transmit some sort of confidence to to the players who play alongside him. So I'm very confident. I really loved this signing. Uh, more than the other signs like Evander Kane was great. Jack Campbell was really good, but Brad Kulak was a must, you mm-hmm. know? And in my opinion, it was such a great deal and I hope it pays off. I hope he, he, he plays better than the value he signed. So. We can only hope, and I'm very hopeful about his play this upcoming season. So I'm very excited about that. You know, I think, in my humble opinion, of course, maybe some other Oilers fans will not like what I'm gonna say, but he's our top four defenseman for this season, and I believe in him. Oh, we'll definitely. See. I don't think there's any doubt that he'll he'll be in the top four. I mean, Kulak really thrived after the trade to Edmonton last season, and he impressed me with his excellent skating and puck moving abilities, as well as his underrated physical play. Uh, he might not be a vicious defenseman, but if someone gets under his skin, he's not going to back down either. And he put up eight points in 18 games with the Oilers, which translates to a 36-point pace over a full season. But I'm not as worried about his offensive totals. He's a defense first defenseman who excels at neutralizing zone entries and stopping cycles. He hasn't played on the second pairing consistently throughout his career, but when asked to take on more minutes down the stretch and into the playoffs, he performed well. So getting him signed to a $2.75 million cap hit looks like a bargain for a top four defenseman, and maybe he took a bit of a hometown discount. Uh, Kulak (laughs) has spoken about how special it was to play for his childhood team last season, not just for him, but for his entire family. And he's also getting the chance to have uh, an important role on a Stanley Cup contender. So I think those are probably all factors in his decision to sign with the Oilers. And also he's 28 years old. So 
it's not like they're giving this contract to a 34-year-old defenseman. He's right in the prime of his career right now, and he's a player who I expect to help them out significantly over the next several years. Yeah, I really think that he can he can be even better in this season than he was in the last one. And I don't know, a lot of people say that the Oilers' defense aren't so great. I, I admit it's not, a, of course, the, the best defense in the league. But I don't know, a first pairing with a, a Darnell Nurse and, and Cody Sissi, for example, and second one with Kulak and Bouchard, it isn't so bad. And I, um, I it's can probably really middle look, of the path, forward. right? Yeah, I'm looking it forward might, to the it defense. It might not be the best, but it's... Yeah, of it's, course. If you look at the 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 six defensemen overall, it's an average group at least. Uh, it's not a it's not a bad group of defensemen by any means. And if the team defense is strong enough and they get good goaltending, the Oilers have such a strong offense that they're gonna outscore a lot of their problems anyway. Yeah, it's hard to compare with the offense with McDavid, Drysaitel, and Inver, Evander Kane, and Zach Hyman. But I think we we are better than last year again, not just in the goalie position. But in the um, in the defense as well, I really think Brett Cooler can perform uh, in a better way than Duncan Keith was in the in the past season. For sure, uh, I remember uh, that one of the reasons why he signed in Andy Mountain was because of the chances of playing on top four. You know, probably he. he he heard before that Duncan Keith wouldn't uh, come back and then he got the chance to sign with the Oilers because he sees a fit. No? Maybe this yeah, was one definitely. of the reasons. I mean, I think the fact that the team is a contender and it's the team that you know he grew up cheering for as a kid, those, those are important things. But really, at this point in his career, I think he's looking for the best opportunity to play. And bless you. And I'm sure that he, <laughs> I'm sure that Kulak looked at the Oilers and said, okay, where, if I look around the league, where am I going to get the chance to not be held down to a bottom pairing when I believe that I can play higher in the lineup and contribute there? And in Edmonton, there was a clear cut spot open for him to take on the left side. This also gives Broberg time to develop on the the third pair and work his way up the lineup over the next several years. But when when you have a team that's looking to compete right now, even though Burrowberg is a high draft pick and I have high hopes for him in his career, they needed to insulate him and make sure that he wasn't going to be thrust in a position he wasn't ready for. So that's why I think it's so important that they were able to bring back Kulak and have him on the second pairing. And maybe if a few years down the road, those two swap and, and Broberg ends up taking that spot. But for right now, Kulak is a guy that they needed to rely on in that spot. Yeah, absolutely. And I truly, I truly believe he's going to have a great season. He's going to prove a lot of people that he's capable of playing on top four. For sure. Yeah, and, and they can they can leave Broberg, as I said, in the third line with some time to develop. And it, it was really good. I, I have to agree with you both. I think, like, uh, Evander Kenny was a great signing. Jack Campbell, we really need a goalie with only Skinner. But Brett Kulak was the was the best the best signing of the Oilers in, the, in this season. He's really a must, like Diego said. 
Okay, let's talk about Matthias Janmark now, who signed a one-year contract with the Oilers worth $1.25 million a few days into free agency. I see this as a cheap, low-risk depth signing for the Oilers. Where do you see Janmark fitting into the lineup? Diego, go ahead. Oh, that, that, it was a surprise for me. He seems to be like a bottom, bottom player guy, you know, and he, he has some interesting stats. I think his highest was was playing NHL. It was like 25 points, you know, in one season with Vegas. I'm sorry. Actually, it was 34 points. Uh, it's a bottom, bottom player, you know, average. So I think he he seems to be a very reliable player, you know. He might surprise a lot of people. And I don't know much what to say about him, actually. It's a low risk, you know. Uh, Maybe he might pay off. Uh, But he has some interesting stats. He, He got 56. Actually, how many? 36 points in one season playing in a Swedish hockey league. And then he got 34 points, 25 points, 21 points. Well, we'll see. I think he has a fit on the fourth line. He could be our center, maybe. So I don't know if Derek Ryan would be the perfect fit on center i think he played better on the wings so maybe Mark could be this fourth line center and he could help us uh to bring more more defense uh, I, that's all i know about him actually you know i don't right. know much but he he's a low risk signing and we'll, we'll see we'll see yeah. what happens and Gabriel, what do you think about Ian Mark? I really think he he will be a, a bottom bottom six, of course. I think the fourth line as well. He he can he can compete for the position with Taylor Benson. I think it's a it's a one that will be nearby with the the left wing of the fourth line. Even with Derek Ryan in the center, I know he can he can play center. And with Greg McKegg as well, which is another another new signing from the Oilers. I think, but yeah. but as I said, it's a it's a really really low. Um, it's not a high risk bet. It's just one year, one point twenty five. I think with him last season he had twenty five points. It was such a kind of a good uh, good number. With yeah, fourth line could do with nine goals. I think in sixty seven games, but I don't know. He can he can play. He has his spot. And think, but he, we we can see him in the first line. He can, and we can see how it goes because it's a it's a low risk, low risk bet. And and of course, I wouldn't complain if he he scored another head trick in a game seven like he did in the with the Vegas Golden Knights against the Wild in the, oh, yeah. the last year. It would be really good. It would be really unexpected as well as it was in the at the time. But I don't know. It's a good signing. I think it's a good signing. It can. And can can be a great one, but if it isn't, it's not a really it's not a big problem for the administration from the for the team. Right, you know, Yanmark probably has enough skill to bolster the Oilers' fourth line a bit and provide some depth for the top nine if there's an injury. Mm-hmm. 
And although he only had nine goals last season, he has had seasons of 19 and 15 goals in the past. So there might be a little bit of offense there. And he can play center or wing, although I have heard that he played more wing last season in Vegas. So I could still see Derek Ryan being the the fourth line center. But it's nice to have more guys who can play down the middle if you have to. The Oilers already have... Uh, I think five centers on the roster, including Ryan McLeod, who you know switches back and forth. So does Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So adding another guy in there just gives them a, a little extra depth in case of injuries. And he, you know he uses his speed to get on the forecheck and turn pucks over. That's probably his best skill. And Yenmark is also a player that Holland drafted with the Red Wings back in 2013. So he knows the player and what to expect from him. I think this signing likely pushes Devin Shore out of the lineup and also makes Warren Fogle expendable because Yanmark has a similar skill set and his cap hit is less than half of Fogel's. Plus, yeah. the Oilers still need to trade a contract before the season because they're currently over the cap limit until yeah. Oscar Clefbaum and Mike Smith go on LTIR. So I think that there's a chance that this allows them to make that trade. Hopefully they could do something like a Fogel trade for a draft pick just to clear the money. But I, I don't see him having Yanmark. That is, I don't see him having a major impact on the team, but I think he's probably a more skilled fourth liner than they're accustomed to having the last few years. So that's an upgrade at least. It is, and it's like Gabriel said, if he produces some offense like, and he scores in a very important playoff game, I would never complain about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I, I truly hope he succeeds in the Oilers systems, the Oilers system, actually, and he scores at least 10 goals to 15 goals. That would be amazing, you know, and he, if the Oilers play 11-7, like with seven defensemen, I truly think he has a great chance of having some shifts with Connor. And this, this kind of shifts could lead to a goal, so he could take a chance, you know. As Jay Woodcroft likes to play that system a lot, you know, 11-7. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe Yamark. Uh, could be a great surprise. Not an be- X factor, but he will probably score a few goals, and this is going to be good. For sure. And I think that's one thing that will be interesting to see this coming season. If Jay Woodcroft goes back to the 11 and 7 lineup, or if he does the more traditional 12 and 6, I, I think that because they are going to have some young defensemen like Nima Linen and Sam Rukov who are going to be looking for playing time, especially Sam Rukov, who can't be sent down to the minors anymore because he'll have to clear waivers. I, I think there are going to be nights where they will dress seven defensemen, but there's enough forwards that I, I wouldn't be surprised if 12 and 6 is the the more regular lineup that he goes with and maybe they'll go 11 and 7 on uh, special nights when they think that it benefits them against uh, the opponent that they're going up against Um, but one player who will be sticking around and and not going out to to make room for 
uh, cap relief uh, is Jesse Pugliarvi, who signed a one-year $3 million contract with the Oilers on July 26th. Pugliarvi received a fairly decent raise after making just over $1.1 million in each of the past two seasons. And despite reports that Pugliarvi and the Oilers were headed towards a split this offseason, his future with the team seems more secure with training camp just a few weeks away. Were you guys surprised to see Pugliarvi re-sign with the Oilers? And do you think that a trade could still be coming? Uh, Gabriel, what's your take on it? Well, if I had to bet in the beginning of the season, I really thought Pugliarvi would would leave that mountain. He already asked for a trade in 2019, I think. He spent the year in, in Finland. and But he was a, a really high draft pick. He still can perform. I really think if he... He had left Edmonton, he would perform great in any other team that he would end up. But I really think uh, we can have Pugliari playing like in the second in the second line or even in the third one. I don't think we, we will see him playing in the first line with McDavid and Anvard Kane a lot as we are as we were used to to see in the last in the last season. And he he can perform. It's like a, I want to say like a, a really good example to compare. It's like Valeri Nikushkin from the Avalanche that he he wasn't performing so great. He spent some time in Europe, but then he come back and we already know unfortunately how Nikushkin can can perform great, especially in the playoffs. But um, maybe some some new new trade can can happen. But I think he will he will stay right now. This year that he signed it with the Edmonton Oilers as the, the season is already approaching or really near it. And I really think he can he can play great in the even the top six lines or even in the top nine he can he can perform but in the top six even in the second line he can still perform. And as I, as I said with other players he right now is Jay Woodcraft who is in charge of the team and Jay Woodcraft really knows how to evolve a player, how to uh, start a player and making him play the best that he can on ice. Definitely. And, you know, you mentioned Nachushkin there. He's a good comparable because he was another high draft pick who struggled mm-hmm. out of the gate, had to go back to Europe for a year. And then when he came back to the NHL, had a much greater impact. And we've seen that with Jesse Pugliarvi as well. He went back to Finland for the one season. Then he rescinded his trade request uh, formed a new relationship with Ken Holland and Dave Tippett in 2019. These were coaches and a manager that he didn't have the, the last time that he was with the organization. So they kind of started with a clean slate. And now we're two years in to this second run with the team. And I think things have gone a lot better for him. But uh, there, there's still there's still room to grow for the player. Uh, Diego, how do you see the Pugliarvi situation playing out? I wasn't expecting him to come back, to be honest, you know. But I'm glad he returned because I'm a huge Jesse Pugliarvi mm-hmm. fan. Yeah, and I really like him. I truly hope he's a great kid. He's always smiling, you know. He has the tools. He has the size to play. Uh, and if he wants, he can be a, a really great player, you know. It's all up on him. But, of course, he's also very young, so he has a lot of things to learn. It's like Gabriel said, uh, that example with Nichuch. Uh, I don't know how to say that name. Nichushkin. I practiced Nichuch. before. If you, yeah. if you want to become, I practiced. Yeah, <laughs> for, us, for us, it's kind of hard. You know, I'm sorry. 
But <laughs> I, I can say that Eric and Gabriel, he he's a tremendous player. He has such a great potential. And and I'm not sure if he's going to start this season Oilers Carlos because we we have heard some rumors about other players and he might be very valuable to another team and go on the other way around. So um, I think this deal could be a prove me deal. Like prove me in. Maybe this could be a deal to entice other teams around the league and see oh, we can take that player in return and if he has a, a great cap hit. Why not you take a chance on him? You know, he could be trade bait still. That's not what I want. That's not what I truly expect to happen. But I think Jesse is a great player and he's been developing nicely, you know, since he came back from Finland. Uh, he could he could be really useful for this season much more than Yamamoto, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that Pugliarvi is a very underrated player, especially outside of Edmonton. And that's mostly because he's never had more than 36 points in a single season, which is lower than you would expect from a former fourth overall pick and a player who has spent a lot of the time on McDavid's wing. However, he was on pace for 45 points before his injury last year. So... I could see him having a breakout season with 50 to 55 points in the next year or two. But even on the nights when Pugliarvi doesn't get his name on the score sheet, he makes a positive impact at both ends of the ice. I mean, he shows a willingness to go to the net for scoring opportunities and to dig pucks out of the corners for his line mates. He's also an excellent defensive winger, which I don't think uh, gets recognized enough. And even though... I only have a basic level understanding of advanced analytics. I know that the Oilers create more chances and prevent more chances against when he's on the ice. So Pugliarvi is a player that I hope they hold on to because he could be a valuable piece on a championship team. Absolutely. And he's a... And like you said, he's got some votes, uh, some Selkie votes. So other people around the league really value his defensive plays and skills. So I don't know. I don't understand why the Oilers should trade or maybe get rid of a guy, a player who has such a enormous potential to to be really useful in this lineup, especially when it comes about defense which has been one problem that the Oilers have had for years. So every player that plays defense, depend, despite the, no matter actually the position, should be val- valued by the organ- organization, I would say. Yeah, I agree 100% with Diego. And I really think if the Oilers end up trading Pugliarvi, like in this season, just to for cat he purpose or for any other thing, I think the others will regret a lot trading a, such a good player as Pugliarvi. Yeah, I wouldn't want him to go unless it was a part of a bigger deal to get yeah. an impact player who could make a significant difference right away. But I, I would tend to want to hold on to him because it's like we talked about with Nichushkin earlier. 
you never know what the player is going to look like a few years down the line. And typically players who ha- are bigger take a little longer to grow into their body. And he might be an example of another late bloomer who just takes off offensively in his mid to late 20s. So uh, he's shown in the past he can have stretches of really strong play. It's just a matter of can he carry it over the course of a full season without any extended slumps. Yeah, like Diego said, it's like a proof mythism. He, yeah, I really think he can he can perform, and he's only twenty four years old. I think he can. He still has his his greater his greatest years yet to come, even in Edmonton or in the in the sport as well as a whole. Definitely. And a week after getting Pugliarvi under contract, the Oilers avoided arbitration with Kyler Yamamoto by signing him to a two-year contract worth $6.2 million. Did you guys think the contract would be longer? And who do you think Yamamoto should play on a line with this season? Diego, you can go first. I think Yamamoto is still a very useful top six player. He meshed really well with Werner Kane and McDavid on the first line. So if there is no other winger coming, we should keep this line. They they were very powerful and they could make a lot of damage, you know, when they're together. So this would uh, leave Dry Saddle playing with Zach Hyman and maybe Poli Arvey, which is a which, in my opinion, I think it's a great top six. and But I don't know. Maybe depending on the possible rumors and trades we're going to talk about, he could be a third-line winger, you know? And we like his tenacity. We like how small he is, but he's never afraid of anyone. You know, it's like an angry, angry dog. I... I <laughs> The honey badger. <laughs> yes, honey badger. And I love him. I love it. But I, I wasn't expecting the deal to be so short. Maybe maybe because there will be some other players on the pipeline and the Oilers need to sign some players like Bouchard, which in my opinion is a priority. Uh, the Oilers should think about you know, signing him as, as long as possible. So maybe that deal will open up spaces in the future for Holloway to play on top six or maybe Xavier Burgold. And and other players like Petrov, even Savoy, they could could take the chance and maybe replace Yamamoto in a few years. I don't think he's going to be here long term. And I think he has some value maybe... In a few years, he will be traded to open some cap space, open up some cap space, and then leave uh, a spot open for another player to to embrace it, you know, let's say. Yeah, and just to touch on that for a second, there the Oilers have been collecting a bunch of skilled wingers through the draft over the last few years. And they're not all going to make it to the NHL, but you're hoping that one or two of them hit and become regulars in the lineup for you. And having that many skilled options coming through the pipeline, not only does it give you cheap 
but talented players who are going to be working their way onto your lineup, it forces Yamamoto and Pugliarvi and even on the other wing, uh, guys like Holloway, who are, who's making his way up, and Zach Hyman, these guys to raise their game and not let someone steal their spot because they know that there's this next wave of talent coming. And if, if you start to slip, then someone who is going to uh, come up from the minors is going to be looking for your job. So I would say that there's there, competition is is a good thing. It it breeds success. And if Yamamoto ends up keeping that that job, then that's great. And perhaps that someone will come in and try and take his job in, in a year or two. But for right now, I think that he is one of the six most skilled forwards on the team and he deserves to be a regular in the top six. Uh Gabriel, where would you play Yamamoto? Uh, I really think he, he can play top six as he already proved in the in the past years. But I wouldn't complain like seeing him in the third line, for example. Um, um, he, he's still really young, as Pugliarvi is, but I really think Pugliarvi is a priority compared to Yamamoto. And that's uh, the, the good thing of competition. And we have a lot of, of great, great prospects in the, in the Condors to to put it in a in a way but i don't know if yamamoto can can perform in the third in the third line it would be great i think it's a it's a shorter contract that we all expected i think and i really think yamamoto can can leave edmonton after after this contract but even in the in the second line or even in the third i i, I think yamamoto can can be can play great and and can can as any other player can can try to have the best season of his career so far. Yeah, I mean, you look at Yamamoto's time in the NHL. For the first three years, he was playing these short stints with the team. Couldn't really get himself uh, established. He was sent back to junior because they rushed him there too soon. He had that great 27 game run in 2019-20 where he was almost at a point per game. And then last year was a little bit of a down year. This year we were hoping for more and he got off to a tough start. He only had two goals in the first 13 games and then there was a stretch in December where he went seven straight games without a shot on goal. But he really turned it around in the second half of the season and finished with 20 goals and 41 points, which were both career highs for him. And he turns 24 next month, so we'll have a pretty good idea of what his offensive ceiling is over the next two years. I would have tried to sign him for longer than that, though, because I think he does have 60-point potential. And the thing is, he's not a regular on the top power play unit, though, so he's going to have to put up most of his offense at even strength. But that said, he has the benefit of playing with one of the two best centers in the world on any given night. And Yamamoto works really well with Dreisaitl. Like I said, when, when we, we go back to that 2019-20 season, that line of Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto was not just the Oilers' best line, but it was arguably the best line in the NHL for a period of probably two months. Um, but I think that he also played some of the best hockey of his career this past March when he was on the top line with McDavid and Kane. So that's where I would start him. But I also expect Zach Hyman is going to have an opportunity to play on McDavid's right side as well. So once again, there's going to be competition for that spot. But I just think I that's where I would start him as first line right wing playing with uh, Connor McDavid at center and Evander Kane at left wing. 
No, uh, he can he can perform. We already know, but no, I I, I read a really good article from Zach Lang. It was a writer from the other station, and mm-hmm. he was saying like how how Tricero were playing better in the the last games without Yamamoto by his side, and I don't know if he we we put him in a third line, for example. I think he would give him a really, really strong third line. And for me, uh, I really agree he can play in the first line with McDavid and Kane. He can perform pretty well. He have two great players uh, right beside him. But I would give that spot to Zach Hyman, for example. I really think Zach Hyman can, right now at the beginning, uh, before the season starts, I think Zach Hyman can can fill the spot properly. But uh, the competition is always great. Kyler Yamamoto will have to deliver uh, his best his best hockey in every game, for, for example. And I really think he can perform. He can be a, a 60 points per season, as you said. He, can, he has the potential to do it, and we have to properly explore it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, all right, uh, we're going to talk about Edmonton's only remaining unsigned top nine player now, and that's Ryan McLeod. Um, but although he hasn't signed a deal yet, I fully expect the Oilers will get something done with him in the next few weeks. He, I think he had a solid rookie season, but he hasn't taken off offensively yet. He had 21 points last year, which is decent for a, a guy breaking in, playing in the bottom six. Uh, what are your thoughts on McLeod Gabriel? Uh, I really think McLeod uh, stays in animal as he's supposed to. I think he will be like in a, in a pretty good contract, like 1 million, 1.25, something like that. And as we said about Poliarev and Yamamoto, he is still younger than these two. He still has yet a lot to prove, only 22 years old. But he had a good rookie season. He has yet to perform offensively. He didn't have the instant, instant impact. Uh, but I think he can he can be uh, the the center that we need. Of course, he, he can compare with McDavid and Dreisaitl and even Ryan Nugent Hopkins. But he can he can give you strength from the fourth line and, and give competition to Derek Ryan, for example. And even Matthias Yamark and 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 the other ones but i think he he will be a bottom six of course but he can he can perform as well he can be a great bet and as i already said with jay woodcraft who knows him since the the bigger suit condors he he knows how to how to make this player evolve at his maximum i think and diego how do you see this player McLeod, it's it has become he has become one of my favorite players because of his smile, you know. <laughs> He's got <laughs> the classic smile. Yes, exactly. His smile is contagious. And besides that, of course, it's like Gabriel said. He's an excellent player. He can he could play in different positions, like you you guys mentioned at center on on the wing. Uh, I. I have all the time in the world for him to be our third line center. I think he could be very reliable at that position. And this could make Nuge uh, be a second line left wing. You know, he could play. He has good chemistry with Dreisaitl. So I honestly expect him to come back to return. Uh, Bob Bob Stauffer said that he fully expects the Oilers to bring him back. 
So I'm not going to count against that. You know, so I truly believe McLeod is going to be a huge piece moving forward to this core. He has, he seems to have a great relationship with the players, uh, and he plays really well under Jay Woodcroft's system. And he played a lot of time on penalty kill as well. And who would expect that he would thrive, you know, at that position, you know, as a penalty killer? He's fast. He has a lot of great skills, you know, and he he skates really well. So it's very nice to see him playing during the power play time. He has some time on power play on the second unit, and he moves the puck really well. He skates around the around the ice really well, and he opens up some spaces so the Oilers can score in two power play units, and he's a great. I, I would say he's a great player, but a great weapon to have, you know, and he can play up and down the lineup. I truly think uh, McLeod is, is going to be with us for such a long time, and he's going to be it's going to be a good player, a great addition for us. Yeah, so I, I don't count him out of the Oilers. This is this would be like heartbreaking if it yeah, ever sure. happens. Well, I mean, he's only 22 years old. I, I don't think they would ever uh, consider letting him go. And, and the other thing is like, when you look at how their success rate has been with second round picks over the last decade, plus there have been very few that have turned into anything at the NHL level. So for the Oilers to get a guy at 40th overall, who has come in and, made a meaningful contribution to the lineup. That's huge because normally they've either traded away or had second round picks taken from them from the league for various reasons, like the, uh, the Milan Lucic trade or the uh, yeah. signing, signing Todd McClellan and having to give up a pick, even though he mutually parted ways with the sharks. So there's, there's been lots of times where the Oilers haven't had a second round pick, but the ones that they have used, there have been a bunch of misses. So, to get a player who has actually come in and not just made the team, but is being a, a regular contributor and a guy who has the versatility, sort of like you mentioned, Diego, who can play center or the wing. I think that we could see Nugent Hopkins and McLeod alternating spots from time to time this year, where one of them will be on second line left wing. The other one will be at third line center. And, and then we'll see where that all plays out because Holloway could work his way up the lineup sooner than later too. But it's just, it, it's nice to have, a draft pick who wasn't in the top 10 work out for this team. And, and McLeod is just scratching the surface, I think, on the type of player he could be. Oh, yeah, it's really good to see McLeod perform. I really think he can, he has the the he has the potential to, to excel in this year. As you already said, with a lot of other players, he, most of all, he can be the, he, he can have his best his best season, yeah, and he can have a best uh, best season compared to his rookie one, and he can make the team uh, all the team better. If he was a uh, center on third line, he can push Nugent Hopkins to the second one with Drysaitel, and the whole team get better. Yeah. With like uh, Warren Fogel, it's uh, it's almost like everybody is saying that he's 
leaving the team uh, and with Dylan Holloway coming he he can perform with Dylan and, and I don't think they have that, a, oh sorry go ahead no no I, I was gonna say that it's hard to to picture to picture that in the in the beginning but I really think in those those days that he can uh, alternate with Nugent Hopkins in the near future if not in game one for example they 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 can have some time and they can they can make the team all the team really way better right and and we are going to see McLeod improve offensively but I don't think he's ever going to be uh, a big scorer at the NHL yeah. level if he can give the Oilers 15 goals a year when he's in his prime that will be good offense from him because they have enough high end talent that he likely isn't going to be a regular in the top six. I mean, like we said, there could be times where he's switching with Nugent Hopkins and getting some time with Dreisaitl at uh, second line left wing. But eventually, when guys like Carter Savoy come around, when Dylan Holloway develops into his prime, those guys are going to probably be holding down those positions on the wing a little more, and it'll make him It'll make it tougher for McLeod to take a spot in the top six. But I think they envision him as their third-line center long-term. And if, if he can be the third-line center who can uh, go up against the other team's top attackers and can kill penalties and chip in a little bit of offense here and use his speed to uh, move the puck up ice, that will make him uh, an important player for this team. Yeah, absolutely. And he proved he, he he can skate really well around the ice. He just need uh, to improve his finishing and yeah. I think he's going to be a massive addition to to this group. You know, if he scores more goals like you said. Definitely. All right, let's finish up tonight by talking about a couple rumored players who could be coming to Edmonton. We'll start with a, an obvious one that seems more likely, and that's Sam Gagne. I mean, he's been a fan favorite in Edmonton for many years, and he's closing in on a thousand games in the NHL, just 33 away. It would be so great to see him hit that milestone in an Oilers uniform. And I, he kind of got fans in oil country a little excited last week when he posted a picture on his Instagram of an Oilers shirt draped over his exercise bike. So I just want to ask you guys, would you have any interest in bringing back Sam Gagne for a third tour of duty? Uh, I don't know. For me, it would be great to see Sam Gagne playing. He can be the the center of the bottom six that we are all looking for, discussing with McLeod and Derek Ryan, for example. Uh, we know that he can bring a lot of experience to the to the new players as well. And he has, I, I have here, he has uh, 542 games only with the Oilers. He is already uh, almost with the 1,000, as you said. But it would be great. It would be great. He, it would be a, a cheap contract. I think, and he had a, a pretty good last year. He had 13 goals and 31 points in any 80, 81, 81 games played with the, the Red Wings. He can, he proved himself that he can still perform. And I think he really wants to come back and have his shot of, with a, a really good at the Motowinders team, a team, a team that can fight uh, until the late 
uh, until late in the in the in the playoffs. And how about you, Diego? Would would you be interested in bringing back Sam Gagne? Absolutely, yeah. So why not to see one of the fan favorites in oil country? I would love to see him. Uh, like Gabriel said, he could be a very useful bottom six center, and he could, you know, uh, he could occupy that position. You know, fill in that position at center, and we could have a very solid line. You know, thirty-one points last season. That's really good, you know, for a player that has been playing bottom six minutes. I think he performed really well, and he really loves Edmonton. So his wife is from Edmonton. Right. Um, he has strong family roots in that city. So why not to finish there uh, with Oil Country? You know, finish his career in Edmonton. Uh, complete 1,000 games, right? It's 1,000 games? Yeah, he's just 33 games away from 1,000. 33 games away, so that would be amazing. And I, I'm pretty sure the, all the Oilers fans, uh, at least the majority of them, would be very happy to see that happen in Oilers' colors. I would love, I have all the time in the world for Sam Gagnier. Uh, I saw some pictures of him uh like hugging other Oilers players like Dry Saddle and Mac David. Is that right? Yes, there, he, was, a there was a picture. He was hanging out in um, Ontario at a lake with McDavid and Dry Saddle and one other friend of theirs. Maybe they had some conversations, right, about <laughs> him coming back. One can only hope. That's what I, I hope. I really like Sam Gagnier and. Uh, Despite he is, is currently playing for the Red Wings, I still love him and I have all the time for him. So it would be great to see him back. Yeah, the 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 environment in the locker room of the team already seems to be really great with everybody. And Sangagrin would just add to that would just bring positive things, bring experience. Uh, I like, uh, of course, Sam Gagner. I, I I like him because my my first memory as an as an Irish fan, as a hockey fan, it was the the game that he scored eight points against the, the Chicago Blackhawks in two thousand and twelve. And it would be really really great to see the 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 team that he got drafted. He come back and he can still perform. We see wouldn't wouldn't just. Uh, to be like uh, uh, some ceremonial stuff. No, he can still perform. He can play great in the in the bottom six. He can be a really good center, and he can make the team better on ice and off ice as well. And he could lift the cup with us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and see, that's the other thing. Like, I mean, I mean, I've been a fan of Sam Gagne since the day he was drafted in two thousand seven. Um, we're both born in 1989, so we have that connection to, uh, I've always loved his shootout moves right from the start when he was 18. If you go back and watch some of his highlights on YouTube, some of the moves he pulled off were just incredible. He might never have developed into the top offensive star that he was projected to be when they picked him sixth overall, but he's had a very solid NHL career. It's like we've mentioned, he's closing in on a thousand games. You don't hang around that long if you're not a good player. And there's nowhere that he 
there would be more fitting for him to hit that thousandth game mark than in Edmonton. I hope that he gets it no matter where it happens, but it would just be more special if he did it here. And like uh, like you said, adding to the culture of the dressing room, teaching them, teaching some of the new guys what it means to be an oiler. And also, aside from being closing in on a thousand regular season games, Gagne has only ever played in 11 playoff games. He's almost missed the playoffs every year of his career except for two. I believe with Columbus and Philadelphia, he made it in 2015 and 2016, I, I think. So this is a guy who has experienced even more losing than Nugent Hopkins, who we were talking about earlier. And to see him get to finally, after 15 years, it'll, it'll, it'll be 16 by the time next year's playoffs roll around, getting to play a playoff game with the Oilers and having the chance to win a Stanley Cup. That would be so special to see. I, I never got to see Ryan Smith win a cup with the Oilers. That was something I was always disappointed about. But if Gagne got to lift one, it, it would be close to as special as as that. And uh, I, I just hope that he finds a job somewhere. But if if the Oilers were able to work it out and bring him back, even as a 13th forward, it's something I would be interested in. Yeah, and can, can you imagine uh, how how poetic this, this would be, you know? Yeah. <laughs> For a player coming back to... The team that draft him and win a cup. Oh yeah, boy, he, he loves the Oilers. He always has, and um, it, it would just—it it seems right that this is where he would finish his career in the same place where he started it. Um, and also, a good friend of Gagne, who he played junior hockey with uh, in the London Knights organization, could also potentially be heading to Edmonton. We've heard this name rumored out there for a while, and that's Patrick Kane. Now, this would be a much harder deal to pull off because there would have to be salary retention from the Blackhawks. The Oilers would have to send a huge package to bring him in. Kane would have to first agree to Edmonton, and then even if he came here, it would probably only be for one year because he's going to re-sign in the United States most likely next summer. I don't know what it's going to take to get Kane. Like we said, it's going to take a lot. But if the Oilers were able to put a package together that the Blackhawks were interested in and make the money work, should they pursue Patrick Kane uh, in the here and now, or would you wait until the trade deadline? Uh, Diego, why don't you go? Uh, all right. Okay. I absolutely want Patrick Kane to play for the Oilers. No, if there, if having one Kane, which is a good player <laughs> on your team, is good, imagine two. You know, can you imagine a lineup of Brandon Kane, McDavid, and Patrick Kane? Yeah, I can imagine. That would be amazing, fantastic. I don't think we would lose games, actually. <laughs> <laughs> how how about a line of McDavid, Drysaitl, and Kane? It would be. Yeah. Unless I'm mistaken, it would be the only line in NHL history with three scoring champions and three MVPs on it. Exactly. Can you imagine three Hart trophies and Art Ross winners? You can call it the Hart line. 
Yeah, the hard line. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, it, it is so nice to imagine that. And I have all the time for Patrick Kane. I, I'm sorry I have said this a lot of times during this podcast that I have time for a lot of players, but Patrick Kane, it's like a must to this team. Yeah. Uh, some people claim that we should, uh, the Oilers should have, uh, they should trade for defensemen. I partially agree with that. I, I can stick to my opinion that Kulak will will hold that position, and I'm totally fine with that. But Patrick Kane, so and not not in my wildest dreams, I would ever imagine Patrick Kane coming to the Oilers. And there is a possibility. Some insiders they have mentioned the Oilers are are one of the teams interested in Patrick Kane. And he might see a great opportunity to win another cup. You know, he's a Hall of Fame player already. So why not uh, having a fourth um, Stanley Cup you know, on his resume? I, I think he's strongly considering the Edmonton Oilers. And maybe we are the front runner. Uh, I, I don't think the Leafs will pull that off. You know, they, they're one of the teams interested. Yeah. Maybe because of his family roots, uh, I think the biggest opponent to the Oilers in this possible trade would be the New York Rangers because he's from Buffalo, you know. Buffalo is quite close. Yeah. So his family would follow and uh, he's an American player as well. I think for but, one year, though, if he if he had to come to Edmonton, it wouldn't be the end of the world for him. I mean, like I said, he's going to get to play with Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle. That's also a once in a lifetime opportunity to play with both of those guys in his prime. And if he wants to re-sign in the United States after, I completely get that that he would want to go back closer to home. Maybe he even would sign in Buffalo. But uh, this, if he if he wants to go for another cup, and I can't imagine that he'll want to stay in Chicago, even though he's created a great legacy there over the past 15 years. I mean, first overall pick, Stanley Cup winning goal, three cups, Conn Smythe trophy, Art Ross trophy, Hart trophy. I mean, he, he's done it all there. He, like you said, he's going to the Hall of Fame, Olympic silver medal. But to finally have a chance to compete again for a cup after several years on a pretty poor Blackhawks team and now they're going into a full rebuild I think he would relish that opportunity and uh, yes there are other teams in the league who might desire him more or or need a a skilled player more he'd be almost a luxury to have for the Oilers Uh, you could argue that like you said having a, a better defenseman trying to upgrade your blue line would be a more prudent move than than bringing in uh, Patrick Kane but I still think that when you have a chance to bring in an elite offensive player you do what you can to make it happen I I would definitely go for him if they could make it work uh Gabriel are, are you all in on Patrick Kane as well no of course just thinking about <laughs> the uh align with the Evander Kane and Patrick Kane and Conor McDavid my eye starts to to shine I think with dry side of McDavid and and Patrick Kane is 
it's like a, a video game line that you put on the real life. But I you know it's hard. It's hard. Uh, Chicago has to retain some salary. Mm-hmm. I think he, his salary isn't even that that big, but his cap hit is almost it's the is the cap is 10 million, I think 10.5. 10.5, yeah. Really, really. But in the last season in the the in this complicated Chicago team, he he put a 92 points in seven and eight games. That's it's amazing. like he's amazing. He's just amazing. Playing with the, the Chicago Blackhawks that you already saw. Imagine play, him playing with McDavid and Dreisaito and the, the this offensive part of the Edmonton, which is already one of the greatest of the of the league, and will be one of the, one of the greatest of all time ever, I think, with McDavid and Drysaddle. Uh, adding even uh, adding Patrick Kane would be really great. Just for one year, it's something that can uh, make someone some fans think, but can can make him come to Edmonton. And as you said, probably he wouldn't stay longer than that. And the time to win is now. McDavid is at his peak. Dry side is at his peak. We have, we have uh, Evander Kane. We have, we have uh, Zach Hyman playing great. Nugent Hopkins. We have a really good coach as uh, Jay Woodcroft. The, the time to win is really now. It's hard. It's really hard. But I don't know. He spent his whole career in Chicago, and he can he can do what uh, Duncan Keith, for example, did. I was gonna not... say maybe Duncan Keith can tell him how fun it was yeah. playing in Edmonton and kind of yeah, convince yeah. his buddy to come there. And yeah, also, exactly as, as I mentioned, Sam Gagne is a, a friend of Patrick Kane's as mm-hmm. well. So there there could be a little bit of a London Knights reuniting yeah. in Edmonton. So we'll we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, of course. Like uh, like Keith, Keith really seems to enjoy the time he was. He was uh, and he was in playing for the Oilers, yeah. and he really can can make Patrick Kane. And if he if he came, uh, it will it will be a hell of a lineup uh, a lineup that I don't know some really really long years that the Edmonton Oilers don't see, and the, the league itself, the NHL uh, as a whole, uh, don't see a lineup like like that in the offensive part. Can you imagine the power play? Oh boy! Don't don't even because I, say I, I, that. I mean, Evander Kane, who we talked about, might score forty goals this year. He might not even be a lock to play on the first unit. Uh, like you, you look at the obvious ones. I think Bouchard st- uh, steps up and takes uh, Tyson Berry's spot on defense this year. It, it's time to have that slap shot on the power play. There's the obvious ones: McDavid, Drysital. They're locks on there. Uh, now, if you add Patrick Kane, that's your your fourth or fourth forward. So you're you're locked up basically right there. And Zach Hyman, he's the other guy who you're probably going to have in front of the net. That power play, I just I could see it breaking the NHL all time record for best power play. <laughs> I, 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 I believe I it's <laughs> I think it's the 1977 78 Montreal Canadiens who were something like 31.7 percent on the power play. I'm not kidding. I think that with Patrick Kane, the, the Oilers' power play would go 35 percent or better next season. That's how potent it would be. Yeah, and that's why it's so exciting to talk about Patrick Kane because he could be uh, one of the other players to 
to decide a game, you know, if you have McDavid and he's shut down, you have Dry Saddle. If you don't have Dry Saddle, you have Patrick Kane. If you don't have Patrick Kane, you have Zach Hyman, you have Evander Kane, you have Nuge. You have lots of possibilities. Imagine on the power play. You know, I think if Kane uh, plays for the Oilers, he will replace Nuge's position. Maybe Nuge yeah. will be playing on power play second unit with Evander Kane or maybe Zach Hyman. That's such a strong <laughs> they, power play. They might not get to the second unit very often considering how many goals that first unit's going <laughs> to score. But, um, exactly. I mean, just when you think about the the incredible passing that you would see between those groups, because everyone there can can just put the puck right on the tape. It, it would be phenomenal to see that group work the puck around. And... Um, I think that we might actually see Patrick Kane being a better fit with Leon Dreisaitl because yeah. Kane is a very similar player to McDavid. So having a guy like that on Dreisaitl's wing and allowing McDavid to you know stay with, let's say, Kane and uh, like Evander Kane and Zach Hyman, you could have a second unit then of possibly Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and, and Patrick Kane, or you know, we'll see if uh, uh, someone else works their way up into that, that left spot. But just I, I'm just picturing all the different combinations we could have, and it, it would just be such a skilled group, certainly the most talented group the Oilers would have had since the 1980s. For sure, for sure. And when I, when I said I was com- going back, thinking about another uh, offensive, offensive power with the Edmonton Oilers, and I could only go back to the to the eighties, to the Oilers from the eighties, and right. we already know how how it ended up pretty pretty well for the team. But Kenny would make the, the whole team better, not only the power play. He would put Heim in the second line. He would put Nuge in the second and third. Line. The whole team would get really really better, and and as I said, the, it would be only one year probably. It's hard. It's not easy, but it's possible. It's not. It's not near for impossible. And the time from win is now. Finally, it's now from the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, you you have to be one hundred percent sure that Patrick Kane could could make the others go even further. We uh, with uh, without Kane, for example, without Patrick Kane, and with Drysaddle only with one leg, the Edmonton Oilers got where where they got imagine with both of them healthy and playing as they already know how to play i mean that that's a big thing too if they can have all their top players at full health next year in the playoffs that will make such a difference i still think the avalanche would have beat the oilers even if dry and nurse were healthy but it would have been probably a closer series i could have seen the oilers winning maybe two games and the team, I still believe, is good enough to get back to the conference final again next year. But what happens when you run into the Avs again? You have to find a way to beat them this time. And having a player like Patrick Kane in the fold definitely increases your chances of getting by the Avs and making it to the Stanley Cup final. 100%. I totally agree. And uh, in my opinion, if if there is a chance to get Patrick Kane, you should go for it, you know? Like Gabriel said, the time is now. Do whatever you can, but bring Patrick Kane. <laughs> and I must add, Chicago owes a favor. Yeah. No? 
So we took full cap hit off Duncan Keith. So maybe I don't now think it's they're going to see it that way. Though. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a, I'm it's just a new, I know, I know, but it's a new management group in there, and with all the stuff that's gone on with the Blackhawks organization, I, I just you know maybe Patrick Kane wants a, a fresh start with a new organization. Who knows? Um, but anyway, guys that's something that we're going to have to keep uh, an eye on this winter. Maybe it'll happen at the trade deadline. I'd love to have Kane in Edmonton from the start of the season, but if it does happen, I think it's more likely a move that we see in late February, right before the trade deadline. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's see. That there is a chance. If there is a chance, there is a way. <laughs> I love your I love your positivity, man. All right. Uh, <laughs> be positive as always. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, uh, where can people follow you on Twitter? Um, if you, uh, for me, I have the uh, EDM Oilers BR. That's the Edmonton Oilers Brazil. I have my personal account as well with Candido with a four in the place of an of an A, seek for N D the D E D O. And but if you want to say something about the Edmonton Oilers as well, you know it's Edmonton Oilers Brazil at EDM Oilers BR. And in case you want to find me on Twitter, so it's at Diego PR, PR Barros with double R. Okay, Diego PR Barros. All right, everyone. Barros you spell with double R. That's awesome. Okay, everybody, please go follow Gabriel and Diego. They're two of my favorite guys to talk hockey with on Twitter, and it's just great to see the hockey community, especially Oilers, growing in Brazil. Thank you again, Eric, for this opportunity. We we had a great time. I, I had a great time. Thanks for having us back again. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you, you know, from Brazil. Of course. We hope now- to have all the other chances to talk more oh, about the Oilers. I, I definitely love to have you guys back on this season and maybe I can even appear on your podcast, although yeah. my por- my Portuguese definitely. isn't as good as your English. <laughs> so oh, you may man. you may have to make an exception and record a, a, an episode in English for me if that were to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. That yeah. would be such a pleasure, don't you think, Gabriel? No, for sure, for sure. We can see how far your Portuguese go and then and then we stop and then we change to English. <laughs> Even if it was like, I don't know, 50 seconds, 10 seconds, but it would be really great to see <laughs> someone trying to speak doing the opposite uh, i think but, you're giving me even more credit than uh, <laughs> <laughs> no but eric it's always a pleasure to be here as i said in, here in brazil it's so far away from the from the nhl from edmonton especially and it's always a pleasure to find and uh, not only you but diego as well to talk about the others you were like it's really good to always be in touch with you here in the podcast or with direct messages on Twitter uh, with some really f- good frequency really often. And, you know, the, we are always here and uh, it's always always a great pleasure to talk with you guys. And well, thank you. Course, I appreciate yeah. that. And I'm hoping one day you guys will both be back in Edmonton to see a game and you let me know when you're going to be there because I will come out and we'll all go to maybe a game or two together at Roger's place. No, for sure, for sure. It's in in my plans because I know that Diego already has been in Edmonton in Kent, but I've never been in Edmonton. I never watched a a hockey game. You mentioned that last time. In the the first opportunity that I have, uh, for sure, I will be there. Perfect. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good night.
You too. Have a great night, Eric. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Let's go, Oilers, always. Let's Let's go, go Oilers. Oilers. Yes. So, for Gabriel Cangido and Diego Pontes, I'm Eric Friesen. This has been the 99 Forever Podcast. We're out.